So today we're going to talk about progression of what's happening with the marketing landscape and how cookies are on the way out and crypto wallets are going to be the new custodians of data when it comes to online marketing. Hello, I'm Taj, digitally known as Tropic Vibes, the host of Nifty Business, where we highlight NFTs and explore Web 3.0 as we move from pure speculation to creating real world value. So before you can appreciate all these different things that I'm speaking about, I have to go into a brief history of how all this worked way before we got into online marketing. So generally speaking, there's two types of media as far as advertising. There's mass media advertising. That's what we see with billboard ads. We see that with radio, the Super Bowl commercials, those things, just a mass audience. And it's being sent out there and hoping that a very small percentage of those people are going to react to that, whether it is a branding awareness or there is a sale for a business or whatever it might be, they're trying to get awareness through the public without directing it to any specific person. Now, the contrast of that is the area that I really fell in love with, which is direct response marketing, infomercials, calling the numbers, emails, and that is the world of newsletters. And you have to come across the name of Dan Kennedy. If you haven't, I recommend you go down that rabbit hole and really research all this cool stuff that happens in this world, but direct response marketing, unlike mass media marketing, has a direct return. You can see exactly how much is spent, how they responded to it, and you can rinse and repeat. You can make adjustments where needed. So it is completely different than a mass media marketing because it is very hard to track how effective a Super Bowl ad is for, let's say, a Budweiser or a Pepsi, as opposed to how effective is an ad to join my newsletter or buy this particular product that I have. And you can just test it all out. You can see exactly what it costs per acquisition of a customer and so forth. And that's why direct response marketing is very beautiful, especially for small businesses that don't have the budgets of a Toyota, a Ford, Visa, MasterCard, American Express, those companies. We're talking about independent solopreneurs, if you will, that have the ability to use this technology to do direct response marketing in an easy way that is far better and more effective than it was to send out letters in the olden days. Now, the rise of social media, offered both. You had the mass media marketing and you also had the direct response marketing. And this really came into form when Google came on the scene in the late 90s, early 2000s. And their entire model still to this day, based on what people search or how they interact, of course, they've expanded over time, but it is either CPC, which is cost per click, or CPM, which is cost per mill or thousand impressions. So it's either you're paying by the click or you're paying by the number of impressions. And you can even see that with influencer marketing, depending how many people tune into your content, whatever it is, that's how you negotiate your deals. How many people listen to your podcast, how many people watch your live stream, your email list. Those are really how the traditional way of negotiating these contracts works. It's how many thousands of people tune into this particular thing and your rates are by that. However, with the CPC model, that was really an internet thing where you could play by the amount of people that actually take action. So as opposed to mass media, just sending it out there and hoping for the best, CPC allows you to actually track what you're spending, how many people are interacting with it, and how many people are actually coming to your website. So very interesting there. When I first got into this world was back when I was in college. This is right when social media was really taking off and what have you. And I had this company called Fly As I, and I was doing Caribbean clothing, advertising, working with all these different designers and so forth, even VP Records, which brought you all the great 
I would say dance hall and soca artists from the Caribbean within the last, I would say, 25, 30 years. But as far as with this whole thing, I was selling these t-shirts and I realized that there were two options. You can start your budget with a, a one penny click or whatever it might be. But I realized about five to 10 cents is what I could get a click for using Facebook at the time. Or I could run $5 worth of CPM, which is paying by the thousands of impressions. And believe it or not, most people would think that I would have done better paying five cents, three cents, 10 cents, whatever it is to get the click to bring someone to my website. But it was able to target specific people that were interested in specific music artists. And of course, I said this was Caribbean reggae dance hall clothing. So how I was doing this was I was running CPM ads to anyone that was interested in Sean Paul, Elephant Man, and all those artists that were taking mainstream popularity around the world with reggae at that time, right? Dance hall artists all over the place, and that's how I was running my ads. So I was finding with $5, I could easily get a 15 to 20x return. Now, a smart person in my 30s as I am now, I say I'm a smart person as if you know I have arrived. I really haven't. But if I had the sense in my head that I have now, I would have said, if I'm getting a 15 or 20x return, figure out whatever I can do to dump as much money into these ads as possible, but guess what I did? At that time, I was thinking, well, I have a limited credit card, I have a limited funds and so forth, and it's gonna take a few days before those sales actually settle into my bank account anyways, so I don't know how I'm going to pay for those ads up front. But smart self now, <laughs> quote unquote, I would have figured out however to just get that money and pour as much on that upfront as I possibly could, knowing that within a week or two, those funds would be in, I'd be able to pay off the ads, pay off whatever credit that I borrow from whoever it was, and just keep doing that. Because what does the marketer do? Keep pouring money on it until it stops being profitable. But anyways, going to this whole thing, now in 2008, Sheryl Sandberg came over from Google's advertising division and went over to Facebook. That is when you start to see all all of that data being collected, uh, cookies and tags. So you'd notice that a marketer would put up something, you'd watch their video on Facebook, and then you'd be followed all over the internet. That's because they were using something called a pixel. A pixel was just basically a tag that was put into your browser when you interact with that content, and then it would follow you around all over the place. It made it possible for conversion tracking. So not just clicking and saying, okay, all right, well, this is what you're getting paid for. But you could have conversions for specific actions. So let's just say I wanted to track how many people actually made it to my thank you page, meaning they actually signed up for my email list or they made a purchase. Then I can put that as the trigger, if you will. That is what's going to activate this and count this as a conversion. So at that point, marketers were able to figure out, okay, well, what is my cost per acquisition? Meaning that how much am I paying to get a particular customer? Whether that customer means joining my email list or buying something from me, whatever that metric is for that particular company and that marketer, well, they made that decision. And I opened this whole thing about speaking about Dan Kennedy. And well, he has this famous saying that the business that can spend the most money to acquire a customer always wins. Meaning that if you know that, let's say a customer brings you $100 per month, you could say, well, getting them there is going to get me $100 per month. I can work out all the math to figure out what percentage I'm actually converting and so forth. And at that case, you could say, all right, let's just say for simple math, $100 is the profit mark. Like that's the average. I get a customer, I'm going to get $100 per month from them. Well, if that were you, the business owner, would you have an issue paying $10 per customer, $50 per customer, 
the price of that getting them up front is not necessarily a big thing because you know exactly how much you're going to make off of that customer, right? So even paying $100 for somebody to sign up or make that purchase, you'll make that, why? Because you know $100 per month. So you know you'll break even after the first month and so forth going down. If you're a big business that you know, let's say the lifetime value of that customer, let's say it's $3,000. Well, paying $300 up front might be worth it for you to acquire that customer because you're gonna make 10X over the lifetime. Now, solopreneurs might not have that opportunity to be able to uh, do that, right? That you might not have the runway in your budget to bring on all of that expense. However, big companies do that all the time. They know the lifetime value. Those are like two very big things. So I know I'm going to bridge this all back to Web3, and this is very relevant. So just stick with me. So understanding the acquisition value and the lifetime value of a customer is very important within business. So all of this really peaked at 2020 or so, and I remember that was right when I was coming back into online marketing. I told you, made the transition from being, quote unquote, the whiz kid on the internet to the old fashioned brick and mortar business. And right around 2020 is when I start to get back into it. I'm like, man, I can't believe I fell off the train. And if I had stuck with it, instead of going this route, I would have been a millionaire by now, right? So I get back into online marketing, doing all the stuff. Conversion trackings are working great. And it peaked really around 2020. Of course, all the politicians are buying up all the ads and they're doing the amazing thing. But guess what? Outside of the US, it was working beautifully and you could get people to have whatever conversion it is for fractions of the dollar compared to what was happening in the state. So that was a beautiful thing being in Jamaica and being able to take advantage of that even while politicians were buying up all the ads. But anyways, that came to a crashing halt in 2021 with iOS 14.5 update when you started to see, do you want to let this app track you outside of the app? Everyone just opted out of that and that was the end of the party. It made it very hard to figure out who was getting to your landing pages, your thank you pages and so forth because everyone was opting out of that. And of course, in 2022, Android followed suit. So by 2023, where we are right now, we just recently had Facebook announce that they are no longer going to offer conversion tracking. So either you're going to pay the old cost per click or CPM, cost per mil, the thousand impressions or some other method, but the conversion tracking is going away. And Google also announced that they're getting ready to phase that out as well. Why? Because it is just not feasible anymore. It just cannot work. And by 2024, which is just next year, they're predicting that cookies will be gone altogether. So all the websites that are now having you opt into cookies and all that stuff when you go onto it, it's going away. So here is the thing, right? There is always the noble cause. That's the one that's put up in the front, the headline saying, hey, we're doing amazing things. This is what we're doing. And we're championing the people and so forth. But then there is the truth, which is the business cause. And you just follow the profits for that one. And here we have when that first thing was introduced with iOS 14.5, Apple, the thing that they used to say the reason why they're offering this is because of the Cambridge Analytical leaks with Facebook. By the way, just the other day was a cutoff for anyone that was on Facebook uh, during that time. And there's this huge, massive, multi-hundred million dollar uh, class settlement. So we'll see how that actually turns out. But anywho. So that was the thing that they were using, saying, you know what? They had too many data leaks and so many things over the years that we no longer trust them. We want to give our users this option. However, if they were so concerned about privacy and so forth, why were they doing business in China and allowing them to basically monitor everything that was happening on iPhones within China? That is another topic in itself. But hey, you know what? The reason why they were there 
the profits, number one, selling iPhones in China is way more profitable than siding with privacy over there. And then also the fact that Apple also has their advertising division that is growing. If you notice in the App Store and other Apple-based apps, they'll see promotions and ads. Well, they have their same thing that's happening on Apple devices. So of course, now they're competing directly with Facebook. So this noble cause that they say has business reasons. Of course, you're are in the position of being the gatekeeper. You have your device, so Facebook is at your mercy. And in the US, the number one phone happens to be the iPhone. Therefore, Facebook is at the mercy of those users, right? So, of course, once Google did that, so you had basically the two big players, Android and iOS saying that this is not going to happen anymore. And then all the sites started to drop this saying, oh yeah, we want to have uh, the data secure, and we don't want cookies anymore. And well, here's the thing. There is a lot of liability holding the data. Politicians are cracking down on them like left and right, and it's just a serious liability right now. No company wants to have that on their books. So getting rid of cookies, although it makes it harder to track and do all this cool marketing stuff, it takes away the option of lawsuits. So because of that, that is why they're going that route. So again, follow the dollars and you'll figure it out with the company. So what's going on here now with Web3? How am I going to land the plane and bring all of this together in case you're wondering? Well, this is what I believe is the option for that. It is the wallet. The wallet is what's holding our data. Now, users get to opt into whatever it is that they want to share their information with. So when they connect to a particular website, a dApp or an exchange or whatever it might be, they're minting NFTs, anything of that nature, connecting your profile picture to Twitter, you name it, guess what? The user decides to opt in and share that wallet with whatever they're doing in that particular application. So in other words, my profile picture is an NFT. So you can link that NFT to, of course, my Twitter profile and so forth. Most importantly, that wallet, right? So whatever that wallet is doing, what they're connecting to, sharing with NFTs and things that I hold in it are associated with that Twitter profile. So when it comes to this now, you might be wondering, well, that sounds like an even worse problem. All these things are connected to our financial transactions and the things that we're collecting. Well, we do have the option. Privacy in Web3 either means you do not connect or you just use a burner wallet. So there is that option, but the custody of the information and of course the assets are in the user's hands. So that is why it is just an amazing thing that's happening right here. So how does this affect marketers and everything that is happening? Well, as a business owner, if you know that your customers collect a specific thing, whether it is Taylor Swift NFTs or um, Hello Kitty, Dragon Balls, whatever it is that they're into, you know that that's something they value. And it is even more important when it starts to get into like their preferences and their likes when it comes to your particular industry or your business. And people vote with their dollars. The most powerful vote anyone can ever make is with their dollar. Why do I say that? Well, Every single year you see that. With elections, they go out, they do all these polls and people lie to them and it throws off the numbers. It depends on where they're going and all these different things. But when it comes to voting with dollars, businesses start and go out of business every single day. Why? Because a vote with a dollar is by far the most powerful vote a person can make. They'll fill out a survey, they'll say whatever they want to say. Yes, we like this. This is great, so forth. But are you willing to pay for it? If you're not, well, you don't really like it. You don't really think it's that great. So voting with dollar is very important. So when a business can see that you are interacting with this stuff, 
you're paying for this stuff, you're voting with your dollar, they really know what your preference is. Of course, you're opting in and you're sharing this with them. Now, let's just say I go to something like Starbucks. I'm collecting all of their rewards and so forth. I'm in their ecosystem looking at their uh, content. They really know. I am a diehard Starbucks fan. 7-Eleven. I go, I make one of those NFT custom digital Slurpees, if you will. I put some crazy concoctions in there and make these weird flavors, but then there's millions of people also making that weird flavor. Well, guess what 7-Eleven is going to start to do? They're going to start to create all sorts of concoctions based on what people are collecting with those NFTs. Why? Because the people have proven that's what they're interested in. So customizing NFTs, doing things of that nature, as we progress down this path, is going to really help marketers to better serve their customers. And it really reminds me of like email marketing. Email marketing is by far the holy grail of web two marketing. It goes back to web one, it's not just web two. But when it comes to these social media platforms and everything, you're always at the mercy of them. Same thing with the data. A business that has their data solely relying on what happens with Facebook is at Facebook's mercy. When you have your email list, you have the direct connection to your customer. Well, guess what? That is decentralized, right? That is not reliant on anyone else for your success. And that is what the beautiful thing is with these wallets holding this data, we as consumers can opt into businesses and we as business owners can also see what information we can use to better serve those people. And I think it's a beautiful thing. And when it comes to this, I am really excited about this. Again, is really bridging my two passions together. Number one, marketing. And number two, everything that we're doing in Web3. And it is a match made in heaven. And I'm so happy for it. That relationship that you have through an email list, that is why I have the Nifty Business Week newsletter. In case you haven't been following, you're not familiar with it, I do have that option, niftybusinessweek.com. You can sign up for that absolutely free. Of course, I highlight the content that I'm creating and producing and so forth, but give you the option to then tune into live recordings. You can do AMAs. You can show up for when I have events and so forth. And of course, you get the inside feed for what I'm thinking, right? So if you haven't signed up for that, it's absolutely free, niftybusinessweek.com. Please feel free to reach out to me. Let me know what your thoughts are on this. But as usual, I just want to thank you for taking time to listen to this as we're learning and building Web3 together. So until next time, later. The Nifty Business Show is not investment advice. It provides insights and information within the space. As with anything, please do your own research before making a decision whether you're making an investment or a purchase.